welcome to Zwei Null. I don't know what that accent is. The TLG podcast, Gwent podcast. My name is Jagras Jagras, and I'm joined on the hosting desk by Spiro. How are you doing, Spiro? Everyone, welcome everyone. Um, yeah, got some stuff to talk about today. Um, we have some upcoming, a lot of upcoming stuff coming in Gwent, and also some stuff that's already happened that we should probably touch on. Um, so it should be quite nice. We joined together here today with um, Gravesh and Quill and Lance. This is where you say hello, guys. I <laughs> used the visual cue to say hello to, to them. You would know that if you would actually check the cameras, Jack. But, uh, uh, well, there's also an audio version of this podcast on various forms of media, <laughs> so you need to use your voice. Honestly, honestly, uh, this podcast only makes sense if you have the full package, so... Um, <laughs> Sucks to be you, um, audio only uh, listeners. <laughs> Can be audio described. Gravish smiles at the camera and waves in a jaunty fashion. He smiles and tilts his head to the right. Quill looks menacingly into the camera, Can thinking about. Can Gravish like na narrate his own actions too? Just not even him speaking, just him narrating his own wave and stuff. <laughs> Basically, so we can we can cater to all all bases. But yeah, so uh, lots going on in Gwent at the moment. Uh, where do we want to start? Um, I guess we can start off with the meta report. Um, what just touch on the meta? So obviously the latest the latest patch we actually did see a couple of changes, which I was very surprised about honestly, because obviously usually when it comes to like expansions, CPR usually doesn't end up making a big patch just before an expansion, which we did get a, a sizable patch this time around. Um, which buffed up quite a few things. So it did change the meta to some extent. Yeah, the most important thing, I guess, is like Pirate's Cove and that sort of thing showing up. Um, that's the big one, right? Syndicate uh, has this new meta. They have access to the sea jackals whenever they want. So they always have access to a spender and they can spend before they play a card. Like they can do that in one turn, which makes managing your finances, I guess, a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, I actually underestimate the impact that the the sea jackals would have. I didn't expect, I didn't expect it to be that valuable. But apparently, having the spenders on demand is actually a pretty big deal. Turns out, yeah, I mean, like spenders, just, efficient, efficient yeah. spenders, right? Like, like just the, from the thought of it, right? Like Pirates Cove lets you play two four provision cards basically whenever you want. Like we had this whole deal that like play two cards in one turn. Leaders are already kind of toxic. That's why I removed them. But Pirates Cove is kind of that on steroids um just from the leader alone it's just very very like well statted in terms of what it does in the faction and then on top of it like there's a bunch of other broken stuff like i have no idea what happened uh, with professor buff like that was completely out of line and now we have like this monstrosity terrorizing the ladder and yeah i mean like the meta is actually a bit sad right because we have syndicate and it's keeps above everything like it just works literally everything even counter matchups like Kelpalus are pretty pretty much winnable even if you don't have any tech cards you can still get like 40 45 percent in the matchups and yeah that's basically the meta like lose to cov and then try to beat the other factions with whatever else you're playing yeah and it kind of sucks that the, like when you play the bottom tier factions it feels like a little bit of a struggle with like compared to the, the top tier factions like monsters and syndicates um, monsters still performing quite well. Um, we do have on our match board at least three tier one monster decks. We have a Rocket Swarm, we have Curve Press, we have V Jam. Um, but other than that, then when you start looking at tier two, that's when things start going a little bit sad. I have to say, I would also 
maybe doubt a bit the statues of something like Caracas Queen in Tier 1. Like Kelly and Vi are still, they're all binary self, um, just abusing the ladder like they always have. Uh, Arrakis got lost a bit in the crossfire of the changing meta, um, but it's pretty much on there, I think, in Tier 2 with, with all the other lists that you can or cannot play. It's, I mean, it's a very diverse meta, actually. Uh, because every faction is playable, every faction has probably even two decks, maybe even more. Uh, it just feels a bit sad because there's a lot of binary matchups, especially around monsters, and Syndicate is just broken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Syndicate, I mean, right. at the start of the season, we saw people with ah. this this Pirates Cove list getting to, what, like 2,600? Like, pretty quick yeah. on Syndicate. And mm -hmm. when we think about the qualifiers that we've been having... Um, for tournaments, you know, the top 16 and stuff. That was when kind of Pirate's Cove sort of started appearing. That was like right after it had come out. And so, you know, in the top 16, at least, the matter hadn't quite settled. And you saw people who brought this Pirate's Cove list just trashing <laughs> everyone else in tournaments. Uh, but now that we've gotten a few weeks through, you know, we've gone past top 64, we're getting up towards World Masters. It's just completely started to dominate the meta. And I think for ladder grinders, you're up against it so often, it doesn't feel very good. Whereas at least in tournaments, you can ban it, right? <laughs> Even then, like, people can like, take advantage of this. In your bans, so often, you, you, like, monsters is the type of, of, type of faction where you either build a line to beat monsters or you ban monsters. So quite often, you kind of need to ban things like V or Kaltulus if you don't have a line that beats those decks. And you, you have to let the, 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 the Syndicate go sometimes and let it through, which is kind of annoying because Syndicate's so good. So you, you either have to ban monsters or let's send or, or go up against v and if you're not well if you're not equipped to beat v then you're probably not gonna have a fun time against v either i think i think also like the onset of cove was quite quickly and it was also kind of funny too because people like right at the beginning like the first few days of the patch obviously sleeping on it quite hard and then i know red rain was extremely vocal about how good he thought it was and it it got people to took a take a second look actually right before that top 16. So I wonder what that, that top 16 weekend would have been like if like he just never said anything and people didn't take a, a really hard look at it too. <laughs> like he kind of uh, <laughs> outed himself there a little bit. You know, honestly, when I first looked at the Pirates Cove deck, I thought I, I thought I was like, what is where's this deck's points? It looks garbage. I was like, where's the <laughs> points in this deck? I was like, eh, looks so bad. And then I played it myself and I was like, okay. It, apparently there's points. Wow. <laughs> I also looked at it and I thought, like, oh, this looks like pretty pretty goofy, actually. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a try on ladder. I played two games and I was like, oh, this might actually be pretty much tier zero. <laughs> this is pretty good. <laughs> How quickly the tides have changed with Pirates um, going there. Oh, how the, the then, oh god. <laughs> so what else? <laughs> what what else actually got changed in the meta? We basically have some Skilliger with the discard package now being included every now and then. That's pretty much another um key aspect that's changed. I'm not sure how much it changed. Like I don't know, the Honestly, discard package gives Syndicate more of a red coin abuse potential, I guess. But that's a like yeah. uh we've tried a, a lot like a lot 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 around discord package sk especially discord package blaze of glory um like i was also helping uh the Marcus and colomon prep for world masters so like we obviously did scrim 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 scrims um and what i will say is that 
I am still not sold on the discard package being better than regular Blaze of Glory. Um, because it, it adds power to the deck, it adds around one potential to the deck, but it also, like, it's so wonky. And you draw yeah. them in like a random order where you can't really control them. And then you have to not draw the Utah. And then you finish with like two cards in deck. And it's like when it works out perfectly, it's strong. But like, and I, I like most of my witnessing has been like casting of these games and just kind of like watching other. But I've just seen like people draw the nuts in round one, right? Like they have Burna and like Coral and stuff. But either you're over committing with those cards, which kind of takes away any potential for like smork ability in round two so it takes a, like a lot of that way too um it, in a matchup where you might want to do that but then also like you slam these points on the board in the first couple of turns and then like what do you have after that they just play a couple engines and then they win the round anyway and you're out of burn on coral and like uh i don't know i i i do like the engine beagle version a lot more i just feel like it has yeah, mm-hmm. i agree yeah, yeah. i, I, I will say I was just going to say from a casting perspective, so many times you just see people not draw their discard package. Or in round one, it's like you have Burner, you have Coral, but you don't have your discard target, so you can't use it then. Or alternatively, you have your discard targets and you have Coral, but you don't have Burner, so you don't really want to discard too much. And it just becomes this really slightly awkward situation. And I feel having cast quite a few games just across different metas that have included the discard package, I feel like I see it go wrong more often than not. So I'm, I mean, like when it pays off, it pays off, but it's quite a risk, you know, to, to, to need very specific draws in a very specific sequence. That's the issue. It's not about drawing the cards. It's that you need them in a certain order. And if you don't get them in that order, you're just covered. Well, and like you have the discards in round three too. Like you, you just you mulligan into them or something. And like you have Yuda sitting in deck and not wanting to obviously draw into that. And you just kind of like clench your butt and then, you know, hope you don't. You don't draw to the unit like it's just so. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's so janky. Like it's it's just there's it, you can it, you're on one if you're on blue coin. It's awkward because your hand is a lot less playable because you know you're not as comfortable mulliganing away things like Harold and Ice as you would have been without the discard package with the blood, with blood eagle instead. And then as as Quill mentioned, you sometimes on blue coin have to overcommit if you want to take the round, or it just becomes awkward. Then in round three, if you have to play a discard package round three, well play burn in round three and then draw your into your Uten, that's a lot worse. And yeah, very awkward. Like I think on a base level, the discard package is well statted, right? Like Coral is a good card, Burnout is actually a solid card. The the more card discard is like you could, but you don't have to. But um, like the problem for Skellig is a bit like they could actually make good use of the discard package. Like if you look at the Flurry decks, for example, where like with the Maxi together you can like manipulate your deck a bit. You're not that reliant on having things like the Uthan deck, so it works better. But then you realize one big problem of the discard package is that Skellig doesn't actually have any good top end. Like it it goes up to ten provisions. They're solid cards, and then you're like. What now? Like, I don't have like a great oak or so, or like other just high end provision strong cards that I can put in. So I'm ending up playing a lot of mid range cards, and that actually has anti synergy with the discard package because I'm already so good at thinning through my deck. Yeah, you make a really good point there about the the kind of spread of the cards. Like, Skellige has always been the faction with the good bronzes, for example. You know, once the, when they started making bronzes good, it was like, at one point, Skelliger bronzes were like here, and everyone else's bronzes were in the bin. Um, but their high end just doesn't keep up. So I suppose if you're super thinning your list, 
it's like you're going to go through your, all your cards anyway. So, but you need that good payoff to find, right? The whole point of of having some of that cycling is also being able to find your core cards. And if they don't have that, you know, what do they have? And Skellige's in a bit of a sorry state, to be honest, because they've been warriors for God knows how long. And they're all just these kind of variants of warriors. You know, even if you go down the Reckless Flurry route, it it's much the same style of deck. It's not, there's not that much diversity in the way that uh, it's played. You know, when Battle Trance was sort of a thing, at least there was something different going on with that list with the point slam. But at the moment, like, yeah, Skellige just feels, it feels like it's been the same for ages. I'm bored of Skellige at this point. Uh, you you say that, but then we have Kelly, we have Vi, <laughs> we have AQ, we have Witchers, who are still a really good list in the meta. Gift is still running around. Like, I really yeah, but- hope that this expansion is a rather big shakeup. I really hope it. Well, it's all we've seen, like, in with all these patches, it's just like one new deck added to the old decks. Like in in Quillen Cup, for example, I've seen Cams bring basically the same lineup since January. Almost <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> but I would argue that uh, I mean, with monsters, you have choice. Like monsters has what three decent enough decks? That's the that's yeah. where the other faction I mean, should be. There should be you know clear archetypes like in monsters i mean I, we've had them for ages i get that they're boring but there is like three very distinct strategies whereas other factions it's all kind of like a variation on the same theme like i think honestly only skellige and maybe nilfgaard are in that trap for the most part but then skellige can play mid-range flurry like non-devotion mid-range flurry nilfgaard can play cloggers it's not great but it's on the brink of viable and then the same goes for other factions too. There is some variety in the meta, but um, it like it's funny because at the start of the patch, you're always super hopeful. There's these new ideas, things got changed. You try stuff out. You realize Koth is mega broken. Okay, so what do you do with the other factions? And the longer the patch goes on, the more it's like, oh, well, I guess Witchers are pretty good. Guess we're playing <laughs> Witchers. Oh, I guess like Gift is actually pretty playable. So we're playing Gift. And it's like, and like Nilfgaard, like everyone was like, oh, the, the faction is destroyed. The ball nerf is so huge. Like I can't one turn it anymore. It's done. Come next month, we play literally the same deck again with ball. And it's still efficient. It's still one of the better decks. It's kind of insane to me, honestly. I really wish that uh, Nilfgaard is just, I'm so tired of being the ball faction, honestly. How long has Nilfgaard been the ball faction? For like <laughs> over a year at least. I mean, it was the spy the faction. And then it was just not a faction basically it was the spy faction when it actually when it first came out it was trash then it became the spy faction and spy faction actually was was really good then it was no faction then mass gray ball and scenarios came out and now it's just been like ball faction and then occasionally they'll add new cards like brathens and stuff or usurper and they'll just get added to ball faction they, they just slot those cards in like that's where the high-end golds you know compared to skellige i would say that Nilfgaard has a lot of really good high-end golds and Part of the issue is that they just have this ball that kind of carries the rest of the deck. Like they have some good high angles, they have mass grade ball, but the rest of the, the stuff doesn't really do much. Oh god, bronzes suck. Honestly, <laughs> bronzes oh, suck so bad. <laughs> well, that's a, that's the thing with like the new ball, right? You have to slot some of those bad, like you be frocking and Ben Morum hunters and stuff. That card, even when you lock like the best possible target, it feels like trash. Like that card, oh, it's just so upsetting that you have to play that card just to proc ball now. Like. Uh, I mean, I, I guess yeah. that moves us quite nicely on when we talk about uh, bad bronzes in Nilfgaard. We should probably, because it fits, talk a little bit about new cards and how people are raging that, was it an 11 for 5? Is that is that the, the hot topic at the moment? 
Or if you if if you can't if you have some weird math Reddit math, <laughs> eleven for nine. <laughs> eleven for nine. Okay. Yeah, that's the Reddit math provision. Well, you have to put in a full provision card as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you, 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 you go five plus four, and you know, you know. Imagine making your deck worse with four provision cards. It's such a high spot <laughs> these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But it also depends how you think about it because it's also thinning, right? So you gotta you gotta value the thinning because it gives you consistency on your other cards. So how how do we value that as points, right? That's the other question. Well, if you thin a card, well, that's mean, obviously got some intrinsic value. There, there's, there's a, you could do a small calculation with this. The average value of a card in your deck is 6.6. If you thin out a four provision card, the average is going to go up to like 6.8 or 6.9 or whatever. So, you know, you get, you're get increasing the average value of your deck by like 0.3 um, or something like that if you thin but, a bronze. But also it has the flexibility if you don't want to thin a card that you can make a rot tosser. Or you could put Afan at the top of your deck. So, you know, really, when you think about it, this card's OP. It's OP and it's a bronze and it's only five provisions. CDPR, what are you thinking? I mean, like, we, we can joke about it, but this card is completely busted. Like, it's one of the strongest cards I've seen the game release in a very, very long time. Um, because of what you just said, right? Like, not only can you go for the sinning power, it thins the card, the four provision card from your deck. You don't even have to keep the four provision card in your hand. Um, and even without the combo, uh, the Blightmaker itself is actually really strong. Like, you can play it for points, you can play it for utility and poisons, but you can also just play it for, like, just top deck the card you want in round two. It's a completely insane card to me. And, like, I think easily the strongest card we, like, got revealed so far in the expansion. I agree, but I, whilst it is, I agree, broken compared to all the other bronzes i wish more bronzes were like this honestly that's like, my take I, yeah i i don't mind gold uh, not gold creep bronze creep to be honest with you like i feel like in general you know bronze creep is good and, and blight maker kind of uh moves towards that like um, and also someone in chat saying afan's not a mage i'm like it doesn't have to move a mage and if afan gets moved to the top of your deck he comes out so my understanding yeah. of the situation is it doesn't matter that afan's not a mage it's the same interaction as if you are playing formation and move a soldier yeah. to the top of your list. I think in general, like I don't disagree far. Like I think we need bronzes to be more build enabling, but I think it's it should be based around synergy and not based around just raw power level. Like if I think of really good, well-designed bronzes that we got lately, I'm thinking Griffin Witcher Adept or Chimera. Like those cards say like enable archetypes or like go really well into the flow of archetypes. And when I look at the new NG bronzes, they're not only like crazy overstated, they're also just basically mid-range cards that you can slot them into every deck. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I just like it when bronze cards, you actually look at the card and it's, you want to keep it. I want bronzes where you don't just auto-mulligan them in round three because bad card, bad card, go away. I, I just want, it would be so nice if bronze cards are actually key cards within your deck and you go okay i have this bronze card but i want to keep it because it's it's a good card because right now like gold cards are playing for 20 plus points and bronze cards a lot of them or, or, or a lot of them are still playing for six seven points and well you need three or four bronze cards to make up the value of that one gold card that you missed in your deck which feels pretty bad sometimes and i really wish bronze cards had a bit of a better a bigger impact in the gameplay than just being round one play and then round three mulligan fodder yeah and i think that's like obviously very cool Obviously, good to like bring up though, but I mean, I, I it's hard to see them bring up consistently the power level of a whole bunch of different bronzes with this card as well. Like, I mean, for the expansion just coming out, like we're just gonna see 
unless they just nerf the crap out of it just this card just be heads and shoulders above every other bronze it's not like a bunch of bronzes are being brought up now like i agree like it could be it's a lot nicer and kind of uh, helps with that problem of just like missing your golds type of thing but i mean it's also thinning to go grab you those golds and then also the other bronzes aren't going to be brought all the way up so I think yeah. it's, it's a difficult one because Gravish is saying that he prefers bronze cards that are synergistic like Chimera and like Griffin, which are adept, but they still don't solve the issue you have of, you know, in a short round three, if you draw a Griffin, which are adept or a Chimera over one of your golds, you're completely forked, right? You're just absolutely just going to lose in that situation. Um, and the mm. argument is that if you have bronzes that play for decent pure power, that it doesn't feel as bad in round three if you miss your golds. So then how do you find a balance between those two contrasting sides. It's a fair argument to make. I'll, like, I mean, a card like Griffin Witcher Adept or Chimera can still be really good even in short rounds, right? Like good Adept, not so much, but let's say you draw into it with like some other combo pieces, you still play for some points. Chimera, you need like two cards, some meter charges, still plays for like 12, 13 points pretty easily. Um, like, I, I see where you're getting at. Um, if you have too much reliance on synergy, uh, the bronzes itself are weak, and there is a problem of, like, splitting up rounds. But, I mean, there has to be a trade-off, right? Because the danger is, like, the stronger bronzes get, if it's only, like, point slam e bronzes, then they're just going to be included into, like, the hardcore mid-range decks. Like, then you get stuff like we have now with Kov, which is an abomination of a deck, if you think about it. Because there's no real synergy. It's just let me play the best card the faction has to offer. And it was just like, duh, 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 duh. And, and you realize in every single slot, these cards play a buff provision curve. And like suddenly the deck is so broken that nothing can compete. And it's a it's a danger you have if you release too many cards that are just good on their own. Thinking of the expansion, I got a question for all of you. I'll stop one by one. Um, what is what would you say is the most standout or the most the most the, the 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 most interesting or the most the card you're most excited for should i say coming for the expansion let's 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 start off with with um quill what what are the which card are you most excited about what we've seen so far uh, i'm excited to go play reigns and then not ever have a unit on the board to be able to kill off because it's like the exact power of the unit is how the card reads so maybe it works differently than that but i'm pretty <laughs> excited for that um but really uh what's that one uh that one NR card that's like a you know has like that that spell synergy. He creates a yeah. starting um, at what four provision spell and has Gerhard. 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 I, I like him a lot, honestly. <laughs> and I, I, I'd like more of a kind of like a NR spell of realms type of gameplay. I, I just want to play Alzer, man. I wanted to just jam some Alzer and <laughs> let's go. Gravish. Right. right up. I would I would definitely agree on that one. What, what do you say, Gravish? Um, uh, it's kind of hard. There's some exciting new cards, not Reens. <laughs> Although I will say that, like, I, I read some of the, the Reddit thread to Reens, and um, the card isn't completely out of the equation, because it has, like, if you think about the ceiling, it has, like, ooh, like it's very high. But, I mean, realizing the potential seems somewhat impossible, so... I'll reserve judgment on that one. Uh, but the card I probably am the most excited for is the Syndicate Legendary. I think it's called the Witch Finder, if I'm not mistaken. Elizabeth um, Banks. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, no, it just looks like an interesting card. Uh, I don't think like the full on bounty archetype is going to be viable or like existing. Uh, and I think the other syndicate cards aren't very strong. But this one in particular seems like it could find home in multiple decks. And uh, I really like the design with the tokens, even if it's a bit toxic, probably. And what about you, Jagras? What, what, what are you looking to play? I mean, I, I guess bearing in mind we haven't obviously seen all of all of the cards yet, but I, I'm interested about Northern Realms. Northern Realms is one of those factions where they have a lot of cool tools in the box already, um, you know, with synergies with things like charges. You've got things like going on with the drummers and um, Anna and all these different tools. Like, there's a lot of cool things in the toolbox of Northern Realms. They just don't really fit together properly at the moment. So I'm just interested to see how this expansion and future expansions interact with them and if they tweak existing cards to kind of fit. Because we've also got new keywords, right? Like we've got Sabbath, we've got Patience and stuff. And you can't just introduce a new keyword on one, like four cards. I mean, unless you're Turgvi, I guess then you can. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just want to see what they do with Northern Realms. Like... I agree with uh, Quill, like, like this whole mage thing going on is really cool and having kind of this spell synergy and maybe, you know, there's a lot of mages in NR going down that route could be good. But I just want to see what they do generally with Northern Realms and I want to see what balance changes we get with these new cards. That's the thing I think I'm probably more excited about than the new cards themselves is what they do around those new cards to fit everything together. What I'm excited for is I really am curious to see what they do with some of the new keywords because i really hate when they add keywords and then they just like kind of it's become like a gimmick to sell expansion and then they kind of forget about it after like that rupture. and i'm yeah i mean there's a lot of mechanics i mean evolving cards have kind of been a one of rupture has been the thing that they haven't really done much with but like for example the sabbath keyword i think it could do a lot with that for example there's a card like Imrith, and i said this a couple of times but Imrith has the ability to draw i think it's a random card or is it top i don't know if it's top card or random card maybe it's top card whatever um and then you discard a card and boost yourself by the power but what if they gave him like an alternative ability so if you have Sabbath, then instead of just drawing the top card, or if it's a random card, you can pick any card in your deck, make it a lot more consistent, um, and it gives just a bit of an upside, a card that sees like no play. You can also do things like with the Crone Trio. I don't know, maybe you could make them do something like you could, um, if you have Sabbath, then the Crones increase their counter by two instead of just one. If you if you play them when they have um, when they have the Sabbath keyword, if it's too powerful, then you can obviously maybe take a point off of what, off them one one or two points here or there, or you can make them provision more. But things like that, use that Sabbath keyword on existing cards to make them, um, especially cards that see like no play, make them better. I would really like to see something like that being done. I, I feel like Sabbath not being added to the Immolareth Sabbath card would be like a huge missed opportunity. But then again, that card has been changed. Like, is that like one of the most changed cards in Gwent at this point? Like. There's yeah. been so many iterations of that card just granting new abilities, adding it, and still never played. Like, yeah. no, this, no, this time they'll just change the name so it's not Imlareth Sabbath, it's like Imlareth Tuesday or something like that. It's just it's to been, fix the problem by changing the day. It's been only Imlareth for a long time. So, oh, has it? Like, oh, god, yeah, that's that's the sad part. But like, <laughs> no one knows, <laughs> but that's like even more a reason to add Sabbath to the card to actually mm -hmm. make it back to form. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree um, with Spyro. I think like some more reworks. We have seen some of this in the past. Like we, we've seen more devotion cards added to the game. Like I, I know that it, when Armor came out, it's a mechanic they've been using like a lot in the past expansions. But it would be nice to see more and see some reworks. Like especially mm -hmm. now, if I look at 
some of these uh, archetypes that are trying to push with the expansion, if there's not going to be like some changes accompanied with this expansion to some existing cards, they're going to be completely dead in the water. Like if I look at Relics, for example, which is the most outlandish one for now, but also something like Bounty, like NR, we know gets some changes, but I like I don't know if they're going to go into this like making a mage NR viable, but yeah, I, I do hope that we get a rather big patch to really shake up the game a bit with this like, uh, yeah. patch. 21 NR changes coming or something like that to like existing it's stuff. A so. It's a lot that's, for the spot faction. A lot, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned relics, because I'm pretty sure on the last previously on Zvinal, I made a joke about how you know you had some tags <laughs> that didn't really exist as archetypes and used relics as an example. And I'm pretty sure our conclusion was like, not every not every tag needs an archetype. And then we get this new expansion with these relic oh, tags, and it's just it's just like, oh, okay. My concern, yeah, that kind of ties in with what Gravash was saying, is I was concerned about how when we do expansions like this, where we get like these little pockets of cards. How can you introduce new archetypes? Because you know, if these archetypes aren't going to be viable until um, you know later down the line when all of the cards from this expansion are released, then what does the expansion achieve by being released early? It achieves nothing. So you have to kind of change the way that you approach expansions. And you know, if CDPR can change the way that they approach expansions so that it works in this new format and it does shake up the game on a regular basis, that's a good thing. But that's a, you know, if they can do that. And we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess we can talk about some events or coming, have happened, um, that we've we, that, that on the horizon already happened. I mean, let's talk about what's already happened. We've talked about the Arities of World Cup, which I believe just was concluded um, on Sunday. I know, Gravesh, you were participating in that. Um, it's and- bad, man. <laughs> I know cool you were casting that one. So how did how did how did the event shape out for you guys? What was your, your experience within the event? Uh I'll let you go first, Cool. No, I mean it's I always enjoy like the longer event tournaments. Like it's nice to have like a bunch of series throughout the weeks. Like I always enjoyed events like that where it gives a lot of people a lot of different times to tune in. And I mean uh obviously the World Cup, the first one was like a year and couple months ago is like the first major chance i got casting to where i kind of like you know i just got a random opportunity because they didn't have some people for a certain day and i kind of just hopped in at 5 a.m and just loved it and i don't know like it was a so i have a kind of a little bit of a soft spot in that right for kind of the event um but yeah it was a lot of fun to cast and uh a lot of fun to watch uh watch team germany not draw uh vies or consumes in round one that was a that was a fun experience watching some haunts just get jammed because you know i i saw gravish play uh two, in one game two tutors not for a vi <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i guess that brings the next question for gravish like how does it feel to like represent like your country when it, so it's it's a bit different than normal tournaments right because you, you you're not playing for yourself you're playing as a team it's a bit of a different environment. Do you, what, tell me what goes on the, the prep work. Do you, do you, as a team, coordinate your decks together? Do you prep together? And how does it feel to like play as a team rather than just like an individual? Mm, I mean, like the, the country flag doesn't really matter that much, just uh, the people you play with, right? Um, at least to me, like I don't know how other people feel about it. But uh, I mean, it's really fun, right? Like you get to uh, talk went with people you know. Like I, we had the same team from last year, Team Germany. I was the captain this time, and I was like, "Well, 
last year was kind of an embarrassment. Like we we dipped out in the group phase after being like maybe one of the favorites. So let's just get the same team together and let's get redemption. Um, we, we nearly got there. Second place is not that bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially because there was like a World Masters for the Marcus and Coleman right now. They weren't like super hardcore trying to win or so, but. We did like some some talks uh, on what decks were good and um, what we felt like is a good idea to bring, and um, yeah, no, in general, I just think it's a it's a fun tournament, right? Like it gives space for like some group tournaments, which I think is a really cool thing for Gwent uh, to have like groups that face off against each other and then making it a nationality based thing is just cool. So yeah, like props to, to Red Ram and Santu for organizing most of it again, because I know it's a lot of work. I talked a lot with Red Ram and uh, as team captain this time, I also realized it's actually like you have to really get all the monkeys together and so that they, <laughs> they work well. It's a problem we actually didn't in the Gwent community have to suffer, like had, a problem we haven't had for quite a long time though, but there is such a like a, just a lot of community tournaments kind of right now, as well as people prepping for, you know, two quality tournaments a month. And then there's like open and masters being slightly, there's so much in the Gwent esports scene right now that that's, uh, it's, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing because it's so hard to try and organize with people right now. I think just, it's just such a, such a mess, but, uh, it's a mess. I, I, I love the mess to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, spoilers for the world cup, for those who don't know, uh, Poland won. So that's your, that's your reveal there. And I feel like, you know, just given their track record in tournaments, I, no one is surprised. It's like Lewis Hamilton winning a, a Grand Prix. It's like you almost expect it at this, at this point. Um, so that was the World Cup. Then last week, who weekend, won last year's? Who won? Sorry, who won last World's? Last Austria. World Cup? Austria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The dark horse. <laughs> but touching on what Quill was saying there about there being a lot of esports going on, we also had the Team Elder Blood uh, Kalkstein event last weekend. So they're doing something completely different. Uh, where they just have like crazy rule sets, which <laughs> honestly, me and Spiro were casting, and the jank, the level of jank was like, it was up here. It was. Like, uh, you also played that one. Didn't you? <laughs> Let's just say, like scheduling community uh, oh, right, tournaments right. is not that easy, no. and uh, thanks to Saber for taking over. So, yeah. so Spiro, over I, and then uh, spectacularly lost. Uh, versus versus uh, the the newcomer. So I think Saber of the of the games we cast of uh, pro player versus newcomer Saber was the only one that lost. But in his defense, he had to pick from. He honestly picked the worst. He had to pick from like a pool of decks, so you couldn't bring your own decks. It was like this pool of decks, and I he he genuinely had two that had Master Mirror in it, whereas his opponent had decks that had vague structure and synergy. So, you know, if Saber had somehow won that, I would have been impressed. But it would have been more fun to watch Gravesh try and <laughs> master mirror his way out of out of a corner. I, I just want to say I saw a really, really nice uh Photoshop of of Spiro. Are you are you gonna get that that uh, similar outfit no. anytime soon? I could really uh really would enjoy uh seeing what that. What do you mean? That was, that was a Photoshop cool. That was a <laughs> we we had to pose for those those uh... Yeah, what, what are you some about? some That's nice Photoshop. A nice dominatrix uh, suit you had on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the team—they they actually like okayed all their fit photos with us as well. They were like, "Hey, we want to use this for our promos," and I was like, "You know what? Do it. Go on, have fun. Like, take it and remember that. I don't, I don't care." Because <laughs> they had this Rocky Horror Picture Show theme going on. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. But my point was more that it was really cool that they're doing—they're trying to do events that are a little bit different. So rather than having 
regular tournaments. We see this with Aratusa, them doing the uh, World Cup with TLG doing this massive invitational with Elderblood doing um, the this whole horror thing. You can see that the teams are trying to shake things up with the way that they create tournaments and create esports, and everyone's trying to do something a bit different, which is really nice because it means that we're not just watching the same tournament week in and week out. Yeah, for sure. Like if I think that like last year, like early on last year, there were basically no community tournaments, right? Um, like it, it took a while for the community to evolve to a point where you could nearly say, "Oh, there's maybe too many community tournaments. Like I can't even choose what I want to do." Um, which is a good thing. It's a really good thing that there's so many people interested in playing them and interested in making them, um, which is cool. Like, it's nice to have a very active community. Yeah, it's definitely been. I mean, Gwent is very busy all of a sudden. Like, we have we have um, we have Gwent Open coming up. We got Gwent Masters coming up. We got expansions coming up. We got so much stuff happening. So definitely an interesting time for sure and it's been and this has been one of my biggest complaints in like the gwent environment is there's been so many situations where i just remember many times with like six months of just nothingness like just dead just expansion comes out and then for the next six months just <laughs> completely dead and then another expansion and then just dead and now it's like there's stuff happening in between then having it's really nice to have something to fill the void with all and my, i said that my car just went out uh, yeah. Oh, power cut. Uh, Good thing you have a generator. Uh, yeah. Oh, we also have the flame and cup, right? Where you finally embrace the fact that you literally smack talk everyone and made it an <laughs> official rule set so people can't complain. <laughs> it's like, I see what Quill's in here. He's like, oh, people might get upset when I, I say that they're garbage and I'm going to shag their mother. So let's make that part of the rules. <laughs> I, I mean... The the cast I had was like rubbish, and the, the one with Spiro too was a lot of fun. Like it's actually kind of refreshing just to like. Although sometimes it was like hard trying to come up with things to say. Like if people don't misplay, it's like oh well, this is just regular casting. But luckily, we had a lot. But that's what I mean. Is we've got all these different formats for tournaments uh, across the community, which makes a really diverse kind of esports scene. Uh, but speaking of esports, we do have somehow, some way, Gwent's World Masters Season 1. Don't really ask how that makes any sense when Season 2 has concluded, but that's coming up this weekend. Unless a meteorite hits Earth and cancels it. <laughs> I mean, if we can get past Tuesday, today's Tuesday, and for the last... World Masters, the original schedule. Tuesday was the day, Tuesday evening was the day I found out it was cancelled. So <laughs> if we can get past Tuesday, we've gotten closer to World Masters than the last time, uh, which is which is a, a hype thing. And I mean, in all honesty, I'm a wee bit gutted not to get to cast this one because I, I was meant to cast it the first time around. I'm going to be honest with you, it kind of sucks. Uh, but on the flip side, I'm sure like uh, Shin Mary and Flake and is there even actually was Flake Flake is the only OG I think for this one, but uh, Taya and yep. Larnhar, um, they're going to do a great job, and I'm really looking forward to watching it because most of these people haven't played Gwent for years, <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be a bit different. Yeah, that's that's the thing I'm like most curious about because a lot of these players they are like taking like crash courses to like relearn the game as quickly as possible, um, like. And I know Freddie's been playing on ladder quite a bit, and he was even playing the last qualifier. So he he should be like at least close to his former um, his former knowledge of the game. But you have also been like life coaches jumping back in the game for the last month, and now like cramming as much as he can in, in uh, to get like back on track. Uh, which is gonna be interesting to see how these players end up like 
competing against like the new breed, so to speak, of players or the, the, the players that have been around and playing consistently throughout the months. Yeah, big big props to Life Coach, I have to say, for uh, coming back. Like, uh, it wasn't really what he wanted to do, the way I understand it. Um, but if he wouldn't have realized his spot, some certain other individual would have been able to, to <laughs> take his spot. And Life Coach was like, yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. Uh, but I'm going to donate all my winnings to charity if there's any. Um, and uh, this really cool thing to do, I think. And uh, I mean, I think the community has been like super happy about having some life coach streams back. I, for one, am because uh, they're really hilarious to see him go like <laughs> and say some random stuff. It's, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, the the church right is the, probably one of his biggest memes right now. I've seen a lot of uh, him just holding up the the hair and condition. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It's going to be interesting to see, like, how much do you think, do you think it's, do you think like a lot of these players are going to be ready in time? Or do you think that, that, that it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get back into it? What do you guys think? I think Tailbot has a significant advantage. <laughs> I'm totally I'm totally yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, I know from like talking to some of those and prepping with some of them that uh, like everyone's try hard. Like I think life coach, maybe not as much as everyone else. Like I think he said himself, he doesn't want to embarrass himself, which pretty, pretty fair. Um, but like people like Game King or Demarcus or so or Atsiko, like they've been hard on scrimming. Like they've been tr trying really, really hard, taking this really serious, building strong prep groups um, and Honestly, like I think we're gonna see a, a pretty strong tournament in in terms of like level of play. Like I'm actually very much looking forward to it, and it's kind of hard for me to predict the winner. I don't think it's like an easy call for Tailboat or Colomon here. I think it's gonna be a bit closer than that. Well, I think there's gonna be a lot of like maybe not super conventional like lineups. I want to say I want to say there's gonna be some spice, so it's not gonna be like super straightforward. Um, there could be someone that just like go, you know, straight up just hard text for and, and then gets the right cue and then just like wins out against the maybe a favorite. Um, but that being said, like all these players were like top, top, um, you know, back when they played more. And I'm I don't think the like the game has changed quite a bit, but like for people of their caliber, I think with a lot of like hard scrimming with, you know, uh you know, people like Gravish, you know, Green Knight, all the uh, all the guys kind of helping prep. I think they can whip them into shape pretty quick, and it's not going to be just like this night and day thing, like with Tailbot and like the other people just getting right to the finals, guaranteed. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta. Speaking of like predicting winners and stuff, what do you guys think of? Um, how do you guys think your odds are of winning the divination challenge? I think someone calculated the odds of like one in two hundred eighty thousand or something. <laughs> uh. Of getting that prediction uh, spot on. Well, I What's don't know because sometimes I'm I gotta do mine. But you What's have to get basic game scores, well, don't right. you? You get like some leader skins, like the unseen elder one. You, I think you get like three leader skins. You also get one border, which I think is completely exclusive. I don't think anyone has it because I don't think anyone's won the divination challenge in history. So I think you'll be the only person that has that border. Um, mm -hmm. And then I guess you get some meteorite powder. But wow. I mean, you have to guess everything perfectly, which means it's like a one in three hundred. <laughs> thousand chance so uh, is is demarcus and life coach on the opposite sides of the bracket um I, I I, if they are i want those two are. to be in the final because the the pasta ability of those like final interviews of those two is going to be legendary like yeah they are because um, is on his pasta game and life coach is against 
Tailbot. Except that, objectively speaking here, you're wrong, because what's going to happen is Tailbot is going to clap. <laughs> clap, life coach. Clap whoever he plays next. And then lose to Freddy 3-2 in the final. That's, that's the prediction, mm. you guys. Don't know what's going to happen with Freddy. He He's going to win somehow. But he's probably going to lose two games. He's going to reverse sweep twice. Because I hear, according to Spiro, that gives you an advantage if you, yes. if you lose your first two, because yes. you could pick the coin flip. So Freddy will lose the first two, reverse sweep, do that twice, and then 3-2 in the final versus Tailbot, who will clap I Life Coach can. and whoever he plays after that. I predict Freddy's going to bring Armor Skellige, because one of his prep partners says there's a lot of random damage in the meta, and there's nothing more valuable than Armor. Right. What the hell is Armor Skellige besides crap? That's a good meme. <laughs> I have, like, I'm a bit afraid that coming into it, uh, there's not actually going to be as much spice as we all hope there is, because, like, there's Freddy, there's Magpie, and there's also other people, like Demorcus or so, who has also brought, like, very spicy lineups to tournaments, so the expectations are high, but the meta and the game right now, <laughs> it's not exactly open for huge amounts of creativity. Um, so, I mean, maybe I can, I can see some spicy lineups. There's going to be some spice for sure, but I don't think it's going to be as crazy as we hope it's going to be. And I hope I'm wrong with that because I mean, I'm all for like pure spice. Not as crazy as like Angoleam in every deck and a meta that like no one would put that card in their deck. There's also a lot of money on the line and I feel like that makes uh, people more serious. Yeah. Yeah, because so it's all fun and games until there's like two hundred fifty thousand dollars at stake, and then suddenly, suddenly you want to win. Like, who are these? What's people? the stake for like each round, like each game win? Like, not not the series, but just game. How much do you get for like each game in general? Lots of uh, meteorite powder and packs, <laughs> <laughs> and you get a cool border if you predict everything right. <laughs> exactly. That's the real victory, not the money that is at stake, but the 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 spicy quick drops, right? Let's watch for 84 hours and get, I don't know, a title. <laughs> yeah. And then um, moving on now, we got the, we also have a Gwent Open just around the corner. I believe the Gwent Open is, it's an, it's off the Masters, right? It's next yes, month as well. Next month, right? yeah. And then we got that coming in. And I must say, um, it was it was interesting because like last Gwent Open, there was a lot of Polish players in the lineup. This time around, it's kind of shifted gears. We've got a lot of Russian players in the in the makes of um, the next Gwent Open. So interesting to see that. That shift in dynamic happening. Um, I believe there was obviously qualify. I'm not sure. Does anyone have the, the, the names of the players that are participating in that one? Yeah, I was thinking right now. Um, it's going to be Red Rain, Cams, yeah. Wangit, Nick, Akala. Yeah. And who's the other two? Aluxa, right? Iluha made it. Some wolf. Um, wasn't it? Oh, and Sif, Sif Great Wolf. Yeah, yes. those are the, the ones. And Chase. Um, so interesting lineup, honestly. A lot of um, players can make their first appearance, I believe. Quite a few of them, actually. And then they're going to get nervous, and then they're going to get 3 0'd in the first round. Isn't that right, Gravish? Oh, wait, I never got 3 0'd. Shut your oh, mouth, Gregorus. <laughs> <laughs> I never got 3 0'd. I lost a bunch of uh, quarterfinals, but that's a good Oh, yeah, thing. you're the one, who, you're the one um, who took, took about eight years to qualify. You're not one of the TLG <laughs> people who just got clapped in their first round. Because that's, exactly. like, that's what we do here at TLG. We qualify for tournaments and then we get clapped. But then our Lord and Savior Pieable gifted unto us by some immaculate conception between Bruis and Geralt. That's that's his origin story. Uh, he He's our savior that we need to come along and he won season two. So, you know, we're technically undefeated at World Masters level. 
Oh, okay. I see if we're counting. I mean, Moss? good odds when half the world masters are. <laughs> <laughs> so, masters is happening on the current patch, right? The current existing meta, yes. right? So, the grand open is going to be then on the new meta. So, it's not going to give people that much time to prepare. Like, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what they end up bringing to that open so, because it's going to be quite fresh into the is, um, expansion. Is, is the open the last weekend of June? Then I'm assuming it will be. I think. I'm not 100% certain, but it should be. Okay, so first weekend is, and then second well, and well, third, obviously. The last weekend is, is like the 26th, 27th weekend, so it might be the first weekend of July. Like, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah because of, of the, the way the seasons work, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's, there's not going to be that much time to prepare. Like, the, the game's going to shake up drastically, I hope. Um, it's going to be interesting because there's, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of creative deck builders in the open. Like, I'm looking forward to see what someone like uh, Akela is going to bring, who's been rather, rather creative on, like, making a lot of interesting takes on decks or, like, new decks entirely. It's going to yeah, be an interesting int- open. Interesting takes, like, you know, uh, Geralt one day, Anseus the next, maybe maybe Yurden tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God, don't remind me. Don't remind me. <laughs> Oh, just, just change your cards all the time, then no one can predict. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, like, yes, I tell you guys a little bonus ladder oh, story. Ladder story. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, let's go. I'm, I'm leaning back for the ladder. Right, so right. Yesterday. Comfy. Right, right, here we go. Okay. So, yesterday, I'm playing ladder. I'm playing my Kelly. Uh, Kelly can solve it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play around the Geralt. I'm going to play around the Geralt. I'm going to do this. And then what happens? I lose to an Igni because he's playing Igni. All right. A few games later, I play another NR player. Playing the same skins, in our witches as well. Uh, I go, okay, play on the Igni. We've got to play on the Igni. And then I play on the Igni, bam, it's a Geralt and it's a killer. And then another game, a couple of games later, I play against another person, also default skins, same situation. I'm like, okay, I'm going to play on Igni, I'm going to play on Geralt, I'm going to play on both of them. And then down comes a Yurden, different player. See, your mistake there was just not playing around all of the Geralts. If you're going to play around Geralt, you play around every variant of Geralt, and that way none of this would have happened. Oh God! So really, it's your it's fault. So it's actually so painful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dear, good old Geralt. That's your ladder story. That's your ladder story for the day. The this thing is, is like, though, when Sabbath is, is, is a thing, isn't Igni going to be more popular? Uh, no. Like, yeah, it's patched <laughs> that you should basically play Igni to Igni on the Sabbath players. Oh, what's I'll, that? I'll tell you how it goes, Jake. Like, I don't know if you've ever played a patch day, but what usually happens is you queue Nilfgaard. And then you queue Nilfgaard, and then you queue Nilfgaard, and then you queue someone who plays NR Witchers, and then you queue Nilfgaard again. Oh, it's see, I'm not less. a pro ladder on patch day. I'm not one of them top 500s that gets to stick around. I'm probably down at like rank 12 at that point. So for me, and then you have it's like, just like... And at least we won't have lockdown friends. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say it, right? Because normally it's lockdown. NG that everyone plays, but now it's just going to be regular NG or something else. And then you have like the one in 100 chance to queue into Gravish playing like Centrion Royal Guards with offerings or. Uh... <laughs> I'm ready. He's already built his list, it's waiting. <laughs> I'm looking forward to experimenting. I, I, I really have to say, like, it's cool to have these constant droplets of stuff and everything, but. I personally, I would like more. Like, I, I love, like, a hundred new cards. Bam! Like, it's Wild West for two weeks. No one knows what is good. Like, everything's random. And you, know, you can spend so much time in the deck builder thinking about things, making things. And it's, it's 
I really like it more than this. I, I still take it. It's cool. I want new cards, please. But um, yeah, there's merits to both. Yeah. yeah, my my ADD definitely likes bigger expansions. <laughs> uh, getting tired out in two days and then turning it off for another month. <laughs> no, partially deck building, like sorry, expansion day deck building is the best. I remember uh, last time when uh, Patch, I was playing monsters, trying to make Ardgate work, and I was like, like five games. I'm like, you know what, Ardgate is garbage. Like, screw, <laughs> screw this Echo card. It's absolutely trash. We're gonna we're gonna play Winter Queen, but we ain't playing Ardgate because that that's a trap right there. And yeah, the, those kind of moments of of deck building are are a lot of fun because you know you're going up against all sorts of nonsense anyway. But just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't on a expansion day was always the best. And I agree with Gravash that actually losing that is kind of a big deal because twenty cards isn't. It's never going to be as impactful. It's not like, oh, I want to try this, and I want to try this, and I want to try this. It's like, oh, maybe I could try this. This might work. I'll put this in this deck. But it's not the same kind of shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe there's, you know, every faction's getting, like, 20 changes. And it'll be maybe a bit, a bit more impactful, but... Uh... That's a lot of changes. That's if Every faction is 20, <laughs> oh. it's, like a, it's, it's like 120 changes plus the new cards. That's a lot of exchanges, actually, that happens. That would be some Wild West right there. <laughs> that would be... Yeah. Just give every we'll card the same. mage tag. You know, just I mean, the fact that giving 20 changes to NR... The fact that giving 20 changes to NR tells me they're gonna they might go big on this like NR mages um archetype because there are a couple of mages in NR that just aren't very good. So if you rework them, you could build something from that. Do you think out of those 21 changes there will be an offensive NR purify? Oh boy. <laughs> Probably not. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> no, because Power he needs a place identity. Ah. Uh, like if you are do, do you like have you never thought about the lore? Like, the Northern <laughs> Realms just identify with not being able to purify others. Like, it's just... This is how I feel when I queue up an NR deck. So, if they take that away, honestly, like, I'm, I'm deinstalling Gwent. Like, there's, there's no going back. Plus, there needs to be a place for most valuable Peller. He's the MVP. And yeah, if they, if they keep adding more purifies, he, goes like, he becomes less and less viable. And yeah. he doesn't love Peller. If you say if you say me, then I'm gonna kick you out of the call. I don't know if I can do that with this call. Yeah, I, I don't think I can, but still I'll do it. <laughs> you. Right, do you have when's any When's the last time we've seen like Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, when's the last time we've seen like Peller? Mega Peller in the last tournament because I was casting oh, with Bessie and me and him both love Peller, so we were like, oh my god, this person has Peller. <laughs> Yeah, didn't it? Wasn't that a Peller in the Keltolis or something randomly instead of? Yeah, like a... yeah, it was something like that. Peller and Keltolis. <laughs> it wasn't in Northern Funny Realms. story. Funny story. Like oh, when I was story. making my lineup for World Masters with Saber, like we were prepping together, like last year's World Masters, and then we we like worked on the Keltolis list for a while, and there was a Peller in there, right? And Taskmaster was already a card at that point, and then we like we looked at the list a lot, and then we we're done with it. We submitted it, and day later, like Saber DMs me like. Yo, so why are we not playing Taskmaster over Pella? <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, that card exists. <laughs> but the condition, the Pella sometimes can go for the offense, for the defensive purify, but the Taskmaster can't. Yeah, See, it actually happens against Northgard where that become relevant. They like open your Akeem and then they poison you and then you can't purify because you don't have the tallest unit. That can happen, actually. 
<laughs> but it's it's also the the, the classic uh, Gravish deck building trick. Put slot one bad bronze in there so they don't ban it, uh, right? Ah, uh, of course. So I always thought that's saying? what you were going with in the World Cup with uh, Walter. <laughs> that was your... Stop hating on Walter, man. Walter is the objectively best card you can run in Syndicate. I I, exp- I I was like wanted to scroll down and just see like a random wolf pack just to break devotion, hoping someone in it. The- <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. See, the problem is that all these players have already submitted their decks for World Masters, so it's not like they can even take this like great advice that we have to put Pella in every deck as a bad card uh, to somehow trick people into not knowing what to ban. So, do you not ban Syndicate yeah. this tournament? What's what's the what's the strategy? Uh, I mean, I think there's. Some approaches you can take for this meta right now. You can either target monsters, um, which is risky because you could just not bring monsters or someone maybe brings AQ or so. You can also try to um, just bring good decks or like soft targets, something like SK or Elves uh, or maybe even NG if you think that a lot of people bring it. Um, Regardless, I think most of the time you would just want to ban Syndicate. I know I would ban Syndicate 100% of the time because I think it's completely broken. But there's some merit to banning out Vi or Kelly with certain lineups. I think that's pretty much it, honestly. So ban Syndicate or ban Monsters. What if someone pretty didn't bring much. either of those? I don't know why they would ever do that. Maybe they would like bad decks. <laughs> I, I think you just say, like, you just DM them and say thanks for the 50k. Did, didn't someone ban your Skellige like, like they're in the last qualifier <laughs> Yes, someone did ban Skellige. <laughs> I made fun of it, and then uh, I did not get punished for making fun of it. <laughs> Wasn't no? There was a, there was a meta where Wangid strategy, I think, was banning Skellige. Maybe I'm making that up, but he, I think, when he qualified for Open two, qualified for Open, his his strategy was uh. was banning Skellige. Maybe if it might not have been Wangid, Wang ID, um, but there was definitely a player whose strategy was I'm just going to ban Skellige, and then. That's what I'm going to do as my strategy. So, I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll see. I'm I'm ready to get like to get told that my read on the meta game is complete shit by some like very creative decks in the World Masters. I'm looking forward to it, really. <laughs> oh, I need to find a watch party where I can listen to Gravish just talk shit about because I'm not casting this one ah. and I'm not like uh, we're not doing um an alternative cast either. So I actually get to watch a tournament. I've never been in that position. I'm like, oh, I can sit in Discord and talk crap. It's going to be great. Speaking <laughs> of watch parties, oh, a little advertisement here. Where, uh, I mean, Spiral, you'd probably be joining in on that too, right? Yeah. We're doing uh, one on uh, Bushy Stream. A whole bunch of us streamers and stuff are just going to hop in and out of call on Bushy Stream. There's probably going to be, a, it's probably going to be the most got you watch party you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> basically basically if you've been mentioned in a reddit thread at any point you're allowed you're allowed oh. on the bushy the bushy broadcast <laughs> if they haven't smack talked you on reddit you're not welcome there's, there's a chance you'll get the the quill special of just uh passing out uh, before the <laughs> masters is over but what do you mean a chance isn't that a guarantee at this yeah. point pretty much i can't remember the last like opener or master any, any like big one tournament that i haven't been like plastered <laughs> Apparently, it's the best way to watch Gwen. Uh, so, do we have any other news or announcements before we no, wrap things up for today? I think, I think that's about all. I think we've covered everything. Okay. Do you guys have anything you want to add, Quill? Mm-hmm. Uh, like always, tell your mom I said hi. Gravish. 
think about it. No. <laughs> Nothing. Gravesh has no opinions. Okay. That's the first yeah. Gravesh not having an opinion. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Spiro. Uh, I'm 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 much Gravesh in this one. No opinions. No Smile. opinions. Okay. Uh, and I guess the only thing I have left to add is like and subscribe. Or whatever it is that like streamers say. I oh, don't know. I don't favorite, stream. Let's be real. My favorite part of the podcast, I always look at the camera and smile and wave. Oh, yeah, we're almost at the smile and wave, boys. We're almost at the smile and wave. But yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, you can always follow us wherever there are good podcasts. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have an audio described version for everything Gravish is doing. At one point, he was leaning back in his chair with his hands on his head. I think that was when Spirit was telling the story. Um, he's been smiling. He's been nodding. Quill is currently waving. Actually, no, he's not because he was waving about like 30 seconds ago. Uh, yeah, so follow us where there's good podcasts. If you want to support TLG, you can subscribe on our Twitch channel and get some great emotes with really horrible emote names because our prefix is horrific. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond that, have a, have a lovely day. Thanks for watching and hopefully we'll catch you Best next part. time. And now we smile and wave. Yes.